Hey everyone, this is Tom McCaffrey. You're listening to the Last Exit to Brooklyn podcast on Storic Media Podcast Network. Thanks a lot. You're a winner. You can do it. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Tom McCaffrey, uh, and I'm here with the other guys. Alex <laughs> we're, we're the other guys. Hi. With the other guys. No introduction um, needed. No introduction yeah. needed. Uh, well, uh, thanks for listening. Last exit to Brooklyn. A uh, lot of lot of shit going on. We're on Storic Media Podcast Network now. Please rate and review this podcast. Uh, we have a couple of guests today, but uh, first off, we have a uh, comedian, um, Sheba Mason. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Oh. Sheba, hey, your hey, video on. <laughs> your oh, video. Ah, oh, you're back. Hey, it was a quick interview. Yeah, <laughs> you're real. You're real pro. <laughs> I was trying to get a background on my. Zoom Leave him wanting picture. more. I've never seen that. Like Sheba Mays. Oh, she's she's gone. Leave <laughs> him on a high note, you know. Yeah. Um. So we'll wrap this up. Um, no. <laughs> great, How man. are you? What's going on? I'm all right. You know, I'm I'm uh, trying to keep up. Just trying to hold myself up. <clears throat> I haven't seen you in a couple of months. What um have you just been at you're in New York, right? I'm in New so- York. Yeah. Um I, I think I told you I started delivering for postmates a little bit. And I was like jealous that people were like actually getting orders because I never get any orders and I'm like I used to be jealous of maybe Schumer and now I'm jealous of like Miguel the delivery guy. Because <laughs> it's like even that's hard to make money doing. Yeah, yeah. I heard Amy Schumer's getting a lot of the delivery um requests. <laughs> She has like a cooking show now. Does she? Oh yeah, she does. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. I guess not. She. And, there's some new show on that. My my brother-in-law. I'm in Dallas. My brother-in-law. I walked in. I'm watching this show. Amy Sh- they, Schumer cooking or something with her husband. Uh, a restaurant Finally. open in Dallas and stuff. You know, Dallas is slowly opening. I went to a bar the other night. Um, uh. But the thing is, I don't really know anyone here, so I went there alone, and it's weird going. And I don't—I'm not really drinking, so it's just kind of the worst case scenario, like <laughs> going to a bar alone, not drink. I mean, you literally just—it's really hard. I mean, I talked to some people, but you're better off like, just going to a Starbucks really at that social- point. What? You're better off going to a Starbucks at that point. I go to coffee shops yeah. too, and it's—it's it's weird. It's you know, the South is known for everyone being polite. People aren't. People are mean here too. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to the South? Yeah, yeah. I was in. I have an aunt in uh, Austin, Texas. Um, and uh, oh, okay. So what? Have, so what have you been doing? You haven't been doing a stand-up, right? Sheba? Just these, just like some Zoom shows where you're like in a square. You know, I headlined you- a Zoom. Show. Like, does that mean I'm like the last square? Like, what is that like being a Zoom show? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what that that means. I think it just means you're you go on when everyone's like sick of what's been going on. That's what headlining <laughs> is. Yeah, true. You go on right. when the crowd's shitty. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it's, well it's headlining easier, a showcase show is like that, but like but, obviously on the road, it's, it's way different. What were you saying? But it's easier for the audience to leave during a zoom show. They just, you know, yeah. they have to go to the bathroom. They just leave, you know, well, there's and then no you look up and there's five people looking at you. 
Yeah. It's just turn the camera off and the sound off, and there's just. Yeah. It's yeah. also easier for you to like stop them from saying things to you. That's that's what I really like about someone like. I I had lunch Zoom show and someone started yelling something about my hat and I just was like click and I was I won that exchange. <laughs> so all right, there's a couple of things I, w- I want to talk about. Um, so the first one is this thing that became a big story that yesterday. This I for, Amy Cooper is that Amy her name? Amy Cooper, yeah. You like um, there's a video of her yelling at this black guy who was asking her to leash her dog in Central Park, mm-hmm. and um, she basically. She wants him to stop filming, and then she. Lit- I, I think the main worst part about it. I mean, it's all pretty bad. But it's when she goes, "I'm going to call the police, and I'm going to tell them an African American <laughs> threatening <laughs> me." Like she literally is saying, "I'm going to like get the police to like kill you." Yeah. That, that's why at the end of the video, he was like, "Thank you," because he knew what he got on tape. He knew he got everything. Ooh, I didn't even pay attention to that. Thank you. Yeah, he goes, thank you. And then, like, you knew. Because she just admitted everything wrong on that thing. What do you... What, yeah, she's like, before I call, I just want to say I'm a, I'm a white woman who's very entitled. <laughs> I'm very rich. And then she's, like, doing... So, like, like she's doing so many horrible things. She's, like, strangling her dog. On the, it's like a 20-second video. She's done, like, four... She's broken, like, four laws. You know, they, they um, took the dog from her, too. I know. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they, so, what did, so what did you think of that, of that whole thing? I mean, it seemed like it was a big day for, like, um, uh, bad race relations, because that happened. Then there was a guy who the police killed by like, standing horrible. on him. And, and then Jimmy Fallon blackface came out. Yeah. yeah. But that blackface story has been out about Jimmy Fallon for a while. I don't know why today. That I, I have a theory on that, actually. What do you want to? Well, since I we're th- here, why not just say it? Because <laughs> that story, Please, every Don't time tell us about it. <laughs> on, the, on the next pop podcast. This is not the time or the place. Yeah, this is a tease. My little fucking feeling is that maybe the network did it because that story has been bouncing around for a while. That thing's been out there. Every time there's a blackface story, they're always like, oh, Jimmy Fallon did it too. I have this theory that maybe the network is looking to push him out the door a little bit so that so they leaked it. I Why know, would they man. want it? What, what, what do you think, Alex? Well, I think that, I mean, Twitter is just, especially during the quarantine, is just going through a, canc- a canceling bonanza. I mean, every, every day there's like four to five people that have an is over party hashtag. And I think it's just easy if you have a network television aired blackface. Segment. Yeah, I know. But the thing is, is this, thing, this thing's been out there for a while. Right, but people don't remember, Eric. These people no, no, I'm talking about like when like Justin Trudeau was busted with blackface yeah, or someone I'm else. They go, sure. and Jimmy Fallon did it too, and then there was nothing. Yeah, yeah well, because, why did why did I feel like not, his contract is up soon? He's not doing that. Is, well, is it because right? he's no he's, way, dude? He's really famous, right? Because other sure. people have done it, but maybe they're just not doing. Like we were talking about, like that movie. It's so unbelievable to me that people still, after like 1989, are deciding to do blackface. There's never a conversation of like, you know, this kind of doesn't never goes over well because he did it in like 2000, which is kind of late. It is. Yeah. And then like, why does Robert Downey Jr. get the pass? Well, that one, they get a pass, I think, because it's in it's built into the script that it's a white guy doing blackface. And that's the like, it's an ironic sort of look how stupid blackface is. 
Yeah, but I think has, that's why it gets a pass. And also. also, when the movie came out, there was a lot of there was some issues about it. But they did a screening for black groups, and they were like, "Oh, we're cool with this." Mm. So, I also think it's like th- th- there's a certain like people don't remember like culture is at a different like things are different at different huh. times, and I feel like at that time people kind of had more. We're getting sick of political correctness mm-hmm. a little bit, and we're more like, "Oh yeah, we can like laugh at this kind of shit," but then it's it's bad because it just it always ages so badly like it was kind of we were talking about before sheba do you remember the movie soul man vaguely yeah it's with c thomas howell and it's he's in blackface well i mean he he pretends he's black to get a scholarship to harvard law school um and even at that time this was like 1987 it got flack you know what i mean but Still, they were like, oh, whatever. It's supposed to be just kind of funny because he's such an idiot, but he's he's learning about racism and um, what were you saying? Well, here's a question. Like, Jimmy Fallon was supposed to be, like, imitating Chris Rock, right? So, like, oh, does, yeah. Chris, does Chris Rock have his back on this or what? Like, do you guys know? I don't know, but I do know that he apologized three hours ago on Twitter officially. Yeah. Well, the other thing exactly. is, did they did they not have a black guy in Saturday Night Live? I feel like that's more of an issue. Like, no, they, why... they they had a black guy, but they didn't, they didn't have a black guy who did Chris Rock. But the weird thing is, is that who was know, it? Chris Rock. <laughs> 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 Daryl Hammond was on the show at the time, right? And he did one of the best impressions ever. He did an impression of Jesse Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. I remember that. But the, he, for some reason, they just made him slightly tan. He wasn't dark at all, you know, because Jesse Jackson's not really that dark. So they just yeah. made him slightly tan, and he kind of got a pass on this because they were doing that same impression pretty much at the same time. But Jimmy Fallon's uh, color was much darker. I think that's like the – I think there's a line on how dark you can be. And how come is – I mean, I guess it's an obvious answer to this, but how come it doesn't go the other way? Like when the, <laughs> when the, when the black guy does white face, it's not – no one gets mad. Is it just because – Every, it doesn't. No one cares. Because people, if, if white people are mad. Yeah, people hate white people. I mean, you don't. There you hate go. All right, there's black my people answer. openly. Remember when that girl though wore like a Chinese dress to the prom, and it was like a Chinese looking dress, and that she got like all this flack for that. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, Al, sorry to cut you off, but I think uh, I think Al is uh, in the waiting room. Okay. Can we early. wait Shall just like another in? minute? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll let him. Well, yeah, we're about to have bring it. But so Sheba. Sheba, what are you saying? Like, Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. He's early. I guess he's early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, remember, like, but remember when she caught so much flack, like, just for wearing, like, a Chinese inspired dress to the prom? Mm-hmm. Yep. And she wore it because it's pretty, and they used to sell dresses like that. And that's, like, and, like, I mean, do you agree with that, that she should get flack for that? And is that the same as blackface? I think it's oh. black. Blackface is like a, another step, and especially because right. there's a huge uh, history in blackface being actually racist, like back in the minstrel show days. Like, and, and I'm there's not, a mockery element that comes right. with blackface. Whereas if you're just wearing like a pretty dress that's inspired by, I will say that yellow right. dress is a big problem right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, I don't know. It's just yellow seems harsh. I don't know. Well, no dress though. I mean, all right. Now I'm a dad. But but, this is one thing I want to say about the uh, so the Amy Cooper who. First of all, I mean, there's so many women like that in New York City. I feel like she Mm -hmm. was. They're not just doing it to black guys. Like I feel like I've just met so many women like that in bars. Yeah. Yeah. Who you're like, hey, and they're like, get away from me. (laughs) 
you know, and you're just like, oh, sorry. Well, no doubt white women are the worst for sure to everybody. Uh, but the thing that really made this catch on, because there's always with these viral moments, there's always like this element of it that seems to be universal or universally hated or something. And the element of that was she knew and openly used the police force's racism yeah. right. against this weaponize it against this nice seemingly kind black man who and then and then you know basically put on a show for the cops you know lying and just basically yeah. relying on her privilege like he didn't have a weapon he wasn't coming at her he was being like incredibly dorky and polite yeah. like he was that not was a threat annoying yeah. Very that's annoying. why that's why it's it's annoying when they're like well before like her side of the story before it started, he, you know, he was yelling at me and really, really aggressive. It's like, oh, so right when he started filming, you became crazy and he just became normal. Yeah, I'm not buying that. But it is obnoxious to film someone when they don't. I mean, that is kind of annoying. No, it's not. He was he did it because he wanted to have proof of him not doing not- anything. Because yeah. if if he uh, didn't do that, he would be dead right now. Right. <laughs> or 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 definitely, you know, in, in trouble. Jail. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what about this whole thing of believe all women? How come I no one ever comes out after these kinds of things and goes, okay, well maybe not. And I mean I'm not trying to be a jerk, but Good like believe all women there's a lot of women like you know yeah, emma what about till. that woman what about what about her women? what about yeah. the emma till woman who admitted she, that, that she lied Who's what about again? the duke lacrosse emma till was this black guy in texas who this woman was like oh yeah he tried to sexually attack me and mm. so they lynched him and then she was like yeah he didn't really do anything he looked at me um oh yeah okay and then the Duke lacrosse guys. And I mean, in fairness, those guys all looked like rapists. <laughs> yeah, that's why that story caught on. <laughs> but, and I'm not trying to, it's just kind of like, why is it all women? Can't it be believe some women and then maybe some of them aren't telling the truth? Yeah, <laughs> that's basically it. <laughs> it's the easiest fix in, in political history. Just But the thing is, if you all. say that, everyone's like, oh, you're such a sexist. You know what I mean? It's like, I think no. not, any, not since the Biden scandal. Now people are on board with believe some women. For sure. I mean, now that I think just everything has to be looked into. I mean, but but that's the problem. Like the cancel culture is everyone's too quick to make, you know, their determinations. But do you remember when the Me Too thing exploded? When people would say what you just said, they they would get ruined. Like Matt Damon was like, "Well, I don't know if he did it," and they'd be like, and then it'd be like Matt Damon, you piece of, and he would have to like apologize. No, there was like three or four months where you could not say anything. Yeah, you said anything, you were fucked. And he would be like, "I'm sorry that I said that. Maybe you should wait to see if there's evidence of something. My bad." I think Sarah Silverman defended Louis C.K. and she got crap for it. Yeah. She said they used to masturbate in front of each other like friends or something. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, just that Sarah. Like that, she's just a cool chick. Like, and then Why she did gets, I spend all those nights playing Monopoly when I could have just been <laughs> masturbating with my friends? Yeah. <laughs> but I think most comics knew at that point to shut the fuck up on that one. Yeah. You know, I mean, no one really came to his, his defense, really. A few people, but that was People it. did, but nobody, all white men, basically, so nobody gave a shit. And even when they did, they did it Chappelle very did, gingerly. Too. They did it yeah. very gingerly. Chappelle kind of yes. waited even a little bit. Like, he didn't it, do it immediately. There was no but. reason to rush, but Chappelle absolutely yeah. had his back in, in the next tape tape thing he did he uh, he directly addressed it and And i don't even like yeah and the thing when Chappelle had his back i don't even think it was him having it was more like Chappelle being like had a very good take on it he always does it was very like look i don't really know what like i don't think he was like hey he didn't do it he was like i don't know what he did really that was that 
But I, I just don't get like I I respect Dave Chappelle so much, and maybe this is because I'm a comedy fan, comedian. But like, can't you see that Dave Chappelle is a smart guy, and he's pretty you know good with the societal takes? Like he's usually right, and then he makes a special against cancel culture, and and the whole thing is brilliant. And then it still goes on, and it's like, who are all these people who think they're like much smarter than Dave Chappelle? Right, they have better on. takes on things. Right, they yeah, better, they, they have a better point yeah. of view than Dave Chappelle. Right, exactly. That is, but, that, but that's why th- I'm saying that these things can Comedian. start on Twitter, like with a bot. A bot, someone could just set a bot off to just take someone down. Yeah, and I, I think that's what they really did to Jimmy Fallon. I, I so believe it. His contract is up in 2021. It is, is kind of strange doing- how it came out. Like to, they're like, "I oh, remember this thing twenty years ago." Yeah, pretty sure. Like, I heard- Go ahead. Go ahead, Chiba. Like just out of the blue. Yeah. But you can fire people up. I'm not. I'm not defending cancel culture. I'm just saying you can get those people crazy by just doing a tweet. It, yeah. You know, it if is you don't funny, like though. someone, you could just get those people crazy. Um, but imagine if me and me and Eric did a, a movie, but where we like pretended we were black women and we just like walked around. And we were like, <laughs> "Hey, what's up, girl?" You know, like. Okay, here's Al. Yeah, I think he's connecting to audio. He's also sideways right now. Hello? Hey. Hey. Al? I oh. can't, we can't hear you. We can't hear you, Al. I get the audio. He, it says he's connected. That's why. Can you I, hear me now? I see him. <laughs> well, I that's, know. that's half the battle. <laughs> where, where is everybody? Oh, okay. You guys, when you're listening to this, try and read Al's lips. <laughs> is he on reverse? No, is we he can't re- hear you, Al. Uh, no, we can't hear you. Can he you can hear us. Oh, he's out. All right, Abraham. Well, he's in, he's in. He just shut his camera off. But it says he's connected to audio, so I don't Did know why. Did he steal Abraham's phone? I think so. <laughs> Hello? Maybe he's on mute. He has to put his volume up. Turn your volume up. He's phone. not on mute. I could tell he's not. Can we cut all this part out? Can we just leave all of this in? I'll, I'll <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> More work for me today. No, I'm sorry. I mean, yes. I'll do it, though. Uh, you can pause right now and then start again. True. What are you doing? What's Pretty happening? Good. Somebody's, getting, somebody's getting canned at the Fallon show or something? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we can talk about that. I, I, I want to know what... Well, well, we'll talk about we, Alex. We might read get his Twitter it. apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, just, we're gonna we're gonna start with uh, Alex is gonna read the, his Twitter apology, and you can we can comment on that. Yeah. So this oh, happened. This do happened. you know what happened? No, no. What happened? Oh, okay. All right, Tommy. Oh, he, um, <laughs> the, you know, this like old sketch of him from SNL playing Chris Rock in blackface resurfaced, and everyone's mad. Um, oh, so mad to sure, huh? Yeah, they're just um, yeah. Are we recording again? Yeah, we're on. Oh, okay. Hey, well, hey, everyone. We we have another guest that just joined us. Um, <laughs> um, Al Martin, uh, comedy uh, club um, owner, guru, guru. <laughs> owner, comedy club guru. Yes, comedy yes. Club and, guru. and author, and author, and author. Uh, yes. Who has a? So, what are the clubs you own now? Broadway Comedy Club, uh, Broadway Comedy Club, and Greenwich Village Comedy oh, Club. Oh, Greenwich Comedy Club, and then you yes. own New York Comedy Club for a while, right? Yeah, twenty-five years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, a little That's, run. Uh, um. So, what's the name of your book? It's called "Did It on a Dare: How I Built a Comedy Empire in Thirty Short Years." Okay. 
Love that. Um, and, and, and then I'll probably add to it how COVID destroyed it in two months. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the logical conclusion. <laughs> that, that'd be, that, that's a very catchy title with, with the last part. Yeah, I mean, it's really unbelievable what, what's going on with comedy. And, and uh, it's like, you know, it's, it, you get jealous because you hear all these areas opening up. Mm-hmm. And this one's opening, that one's opening. And New York City is still two weeks away from phase one. It's like, yeah. wow. Yeah, so what can we, so how long has have your clubs been closed for? Uh, we shut down, I believe, March 16th, uh, somewhere around there, March 16th. So March, April, we're now closed uh, two and a half months. Which is and more- I don't. And, and I don't think it's going to be another two months till we open at least. And normally in New York City, if your business is like having like just even a couple of weeks, that's like, that's tough, right? Because New York City yeah. is known to be like the most forgiving, cheap place. I feel no, like if you have no. a bad week in New York City, you can just be taken down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, let, let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of restaurants that are, and possibly clubs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know each club's financial situation, but I can definitely tell you a couple of uh, a, a lot of your favorite restaurants will not be opening when this is all over. At least thirty percent of the restaurants in this city will be gone. Man, that is, is that including fun. Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think Arby's can afford to be in this city, are they? Are they in Manhattan? I've um, never seen an Arby's in New York City, to be honest with you. I, I've only seen one person eating at one. I have a friend who like goes there for some reason, and I always am like amazed by it. Um, in the city? Yeah, in the city on Twenty Third Street, he goes to Arby's. Yeah, wow. let's talk about that. The important things are where the Arby's <laughs> are. Um, you know. Uh, Every comic is, uh, we could all easily get uh, distracted on topics. It's not, it's not hard. Just hang out at Broadway Comedy Club on the lobby any one day. You'll, you'll have yeah. 500 topics going right And this, should be, this shouldn't be a problem because there's five of us. <laughs> right. This is a lot for us. Um, so when did you, so what was the first club you opened? Well, New York Comedy Club was the first one in 1990. Wow. Eight, well, Chris Murphy says 89. I, I think it's 90. I can't even remember. You know, <laughs> All right. Well, let's get a, him in here, too. Shout, yeah. <laughs> shout out Chris Murphy. Welcome. Uh, he's too busy shopping for food right now. So, you know, <laughs> guys, if you know, if you know Chris Murphy, is all he's doing is food all day long. <laughs> really? Doesn't doesn't gain a pound, but he's he's, he's obsessed with food. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not know that. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I'll wake up to texts with with food porn pictures of what he <laughs> ate the night before. So did you know him at the like when you first opened the New York Comedy Club? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, well, that's why I value certain people in my life, like Chris Murphy and a Steve Marshall, and and even a guy named Steve Aaron's. You know, because these were people that knew me before I even had a club. So it's like I had nothing to offer them, you know, and they was. And they would still talk to me, so um, <laughs> that was that was that was the bar for me right there. I had and did to you? Offer and they talked to me. And did you open that club on a dare? It was in a different no, location, I, right? Yeah, yeah. When I opened it, it was on Forty Eighth and Second. Actually, uh, Tom, I did stand up comedy on a dare. I was dating a girl who was doing open mics, and um, 
she asked me to watch her performance one day, uh, not to give too much away of it, but, you know, she asked me to give watch her performance and then to critique, you know how women are, they, oh, uh, how did I do? Or what is my, how do I look, you know? And the answer to these questions are always, you look great or you sounded great or the dress is pretty or you look wonderful. Because if you answer <laughs> anything else, you're going to be in a three-hour fight. <laughs> They'll call the That's police true. on you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, you, you look great. You look great. You know, one uh, it's a funny story. One time, my wife comes to to me in the morning and getting dressed for work, and the same stupid question when she's going after her, How do I look? How do I look? And I'm busy trying to do my work, and I kept saying, "You look great. You look great. You look great." She goes, "You sure? Uh, you have no problem with it?" And uh, I go, "Yeah. Just go to work. Leave me alone." And then she goes, "Please. I just really need to get your opinion. It's an important day for me." Turn around. I turn around. She's butt ass naked in high heels. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, okay. But I, but I kept saying she looked, she looked great for work, you know. Right. <laughs> Dress for the job you want. Yeah, I was I really paying attention, and I got, I, I got nailed. She nailed me. So what well, happened no, to that? What happened uh, to that woman you watched do stand up? Did she continue yeah, to do stand up? Well, what happened was she asked me how I did, and I said to her, uh, you, "You did great. You did great. You did great." Finally, she just broke me down. She asked me 6,000 times, and I finally told her, you absolutely suck. You were the worst thing I've ever seen on a stage in my life. You should quit and leave me alone. You know? And then we got into a 10-minute fight, and then finally she turns around to me and says, you know what? You're pretty funny. Why don't you go on stage? And oh, wow. the, the next week I went on stage at the Pips Comedy Club, and... Uh, Andrew Dice Clay decides to walk in. It's 1989, and he decides to walk in and just run through his 45-minute HBO special. <laughs> and wow. and um, as soon as the set was over, the entire audience, if you know Pips, the bar was in the showroom. So everybody would just get up and run to the bar and was talking to him. And there were two people left watching my set. One was the girl, and she was sleeping, and one was some <laughs> drunk heckler, you know, and Welcome to stand-up comedy, you know. Um, and that was when that was when Dice was like at his height, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And you know, uh, the crazy thing was, as bad as I, oh yeah, one other thing. I decide uh, uh, first time ever on stage. I had no idea Dice was coming in, and I said, uh, "You know what? Let me try to make this act dirty, so I'll impress him, and uh -huh. on some delusional level, he's going <laughs> to take me on the road with him." The, the, all all across the country. That's how crazy I was thinking back then. And obviously, it was the worst bomb in the world. It was so bad that the room got so quiet that he was actually staring at me and how bad it was. <laughs> oh, Jesus! I wanted I wanted wow, to just jump in. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> uh, that sounds um, not horrible at all. I couldn't imagine bombing and having Andrew Dice Clay staring at me while bombing. <laughs> yeah, I, I went. I went. To, go ahead. I just wanted to cross the street into traffic, and if I survived that, just jump right into Sheepshead Bay. You know, just go right <laughs> into the water. I actually did Pips once. In, um... I heard it was very hard. It was a hard club to do. Oh, it was a hard – well, you know, the, the tone got set very early when the MC, who also owned the place, just would get mm. on stage and shout out the N-word for 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that was sounds like, sounds like a fun was, time. That yeah. was when Michael Richards started comedy. <laughs> well, yeah, it was like ni 1989 Brooklyn. It was very different, I guess. You know, the world was very different. But, yeah, you know, I, uh, 
I yeah. did it in 2005 because they reopened it. It was for like a, a second while. incarnation, right? Yeah, like Joey Gay yeah. reopened it. And I actually was there the opening weekend. I was opening for uh, Greg Giraldo. So it was like a huge deal to me. I was like a few years into comedy and he was like my favorite. And uh, it was, I was there all weekend. It was so fucking hard. They were yeah, really yeah, it's rough. Like, it's, it's like, no, it was like no other room. And, but, you know, that's where comedy started. In 1962, Rodney performed there. Uh, Woody Allen performed there. They all got their start at Pips in the early 60s. The owner, uh, George Schultz, uh, what was his name? <laughs> he lived right upstairs on the second floor with his two kids, uh, Seth and Marty. And now they're both gone. But um, Seth, they both took over the business when he died. And... Uh, you know, then Joey Gay took it over, like you said, in the yeah. later point. And then uh, Garvey took it over after that. It went through a couple of owners. Uh, I think Joey Gay might have been the last owner. Uh, and then yeah, it didn't last. I don't know how long. It, but so, what was the comedy landscape in New York like at that point in nineteen ninety? Because the eighties was kind of wasn't it kind of like a down slide a little because no, the eighties well, was such a boom. You had a lot less clubs back then. You had. Basically, it was the comic strip, Catch a Rising Star, and Dangerfields on the east side. And on the west side of town, you had um, the Improv, which had been around for many years. And then the new kid on the block, only about four or five years old at that time, uh, in her Chelsea location, the first location for Caroline's, was on 28th Street and around 8th Avenue. Oh, wow. And then Stand Up New York opened up in the late 80s. I think around 86 or 87, they opened up. And that was the whole landscape. You know, you eventually Caroline's would move down to the South Street Seaport. Uh, that, that yeah, had a I remember huge that. location there. And then, you know, she brought it uptown when she realized that nobody was really running to the South Street Seaport. <laughs> the, you know? Um, yeah. And then... Yeah, and then Boston Comedy Club opened about a year before New York Comedy Club opened, and then uh, that was the whole landscape. It was and uh, and how did it go when you st- when you opened it? Like, how was it hard to get people in, or what? Like, did you even have any idea what to do? Uh, you know, the way, you know we talk about it in the book a lot, but basically. The way I got started was one night a week at that location on 48th and 2nd. And it was a combination of an audience and, you know, that we would get through, you know, the Village Voice. We said, you know, print media was big back then. You know, now these things don't exist. But, you know, we used to advertise in the Village Voice, a couple of tourist magazines. And uh, here and there, we'd bark in a customer on 2nd Avenue. But it was... uh, that's how I pretty much came across the whole bringer thing. You know, we'd have a couple of bringers on the show that would mix together and they brought in their following and, and we'd mix it in with some pros. Like, you know, some of the pros we used back then was Mike Sweeney, who's now like the head writer on uh, Conan. Uh, Conan. Uh, yeah, exactly. Conan O'Brien show. And he, he was an incredible comic in the day. We, we had the Liz Winstead. Uh, wow. Back then, Brett, Brett Butler uh, used to work the room, Bill Hicks. Uh, Todd Barry right. was just a, ki- a kid out of Florida at the time. Uh, Jeffrey Ross, who went on to become... No, Jeffrey 
Lift Schultz, who eventually became <laughs> Jeffrey Ross, you know, uh, oh. was working back then too. David Tell, of course, Louis C.K. We had Louis C.K. there quite often. So um, you had Gaffigan a, too, right? Yeah, we had Gaff we had Gaffigan when he was open miking actually. Wow. And, uh, do you have any uh, crazy? Sto I mean, do you, like, are there any stories in the book, like like crazy stories with yeah, any oh, of yeah. them when they started? Uh, uh, a lot of crazy stories. Like, were you did any where like um, you got like a fist fight with like Louis C.K. or like? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got into a, a verbal altercation with Sarah Silverman, and that's in the book, and uh, it talks about uh, we talk about the scene. Lisa Lampanelli, the first time she ever got on a stage. Um, oh, really? And, and, was yeah, there anyone that became really big that went that came through that you saw really early on, and you were like, "Ah, oh, no way!" And then, yeah, yeah, I give you, I can give you two right off the bat. Uh, well, Jim Gaffigan, I wasn't a big fan of in the early days, and uh, I, I was still not particularly a fan of his comedy. I'll be honest, but uh, listen, you can't argue with success. The man has been; he's a hard worker and. You know, he, he's successful. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Melissa Roush, uh, a friend of mine, always likes to re remind me of how <laughs> Melissa Roush is someone that I sort of, um, you know, she's from um, only a little sitcom called The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. She plays she... that with that voice. You know? Eric, you know her kind of, right? Yeah, yeah. But she... The, right? the, yeah, but she was also she was really funny, but she wasn't always she wasn't a pure comic. She was an actress too. So right, right. Well, she was of that that little newer breed you see nowadays. Like a lot of times, I'll, I'll have people audition for me, and I'll ask them, "How often are you getting up on stage to do stand up?" And they're telling me, "Well, I get up um, uh, once a week to do stand up, twice a week to do sketch. I do improv twice a week. I go to uh, you know." Tap or dancing. For, yeah, tap dancing. It's like, you know, the, the, they don't focus on any one thing. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get that. I actually, one time, I, I, I did a show in your comedy club, and like, I think it was like 2008, and Gaffigan was on, you know, and he was like killing, and he like, he did the same joke twice. Um, and what? which, what? He did the same joke twice? Yeah, yeah you know, like, did, that he, happens a lot. Did, I think he did that more than once, actually. Because I think what happens is there's, they, they do so many sets, they kind of, like, it's almost, right. like, robotic. And then... Yeah. Um, it was, sometimes well, when you do five sets a night, like... like the, funny, night. the funniest part is it killed both times. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like... Well, I was you like, know... What? That, that club was the first club, I believe, in the country... That had two showrooms, you know. We opened up a, a second showroom in that venue, uh, and a lot of times the comics would go from one room to the next, back and forth, uh, and do their spots. And I know a couple of people in particular that hated that second room, the small room. Mark Marin being one of them, you know, <laughs> he just he hated that room. Oh yeah, but wow. He, Mark Marin hated something. <laughs> 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 I remember. You know, well, go ahead. He's a great. I mean, I always was a big fan of Marks, but yeah, he can get a little tense sometimes. I think you know. I remember but. seeing when I first started comedy. Actually, I, I remember like seeing him at New York Comedy Club a lot. This was like two thousand, and I would I was always like, oh man, that's Mark Marin. Um, yeah, so that's uh, Mark I'm, Marin and 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 our our late show. We were the first to do uh, 
an African-American show in the country. And I remember getting really heavily criticized for it. Uh, you're doing an African-American show. All comedy is the same. And, you know, uh, you know, why are you doing this? You know, a lot of people in the industry told me that. And it turned out to be such a, you know, now you can't go to a comedy club anywhere in the country that doesn't have chocolate sundaes, you know? I mean, it's, it's, right, it's right. all over the Right, you know? But, but um, we had some incredible shows. I, I remember seeing one of the lineups the other day. I was looking through notes for the book, you know, uh, you know the final thing of the book. And we had, like, uh, one late show was Damon Wayans did a guest spot. Tracy Morgan was on the show. Wanda Sykes and a little guy... Uh, that everybody made fun of at the time, and he turned out to be Kevin Hart. So, yeah. you know, that yeah. sounds. When was that? Uh, I would say that was in the late 1990s. Can the, you? And that ran for like five. Well, we did that show for 20 years, but that kind of lineup was coming in. It, it had such a reputation that we were getting these incredible comics uh, constantly in there. Right. And so how did the, so the, the book, how did that come about? Like, did you just decide to write it or was someone like, Hey, you should write. Well, like I've been wanting to write the book for years. You know, uh, I mean, you know, all these stories were, were formulating in my head and I wanted to do it. But you know, when you're running two businesses and at 1.3 businesses, and, you know, taking care of other things, it got to the point that I never had time to sit down and write it. And then, you know, COVID-19 came along and my two clubs were shut down. So all of a sudden, I, I was like walking around my, my place here, like bouncing off the walls. And, you know, when you get done watching, uh, binge watching every episode of The Sopranos or Curb Your Enthusiasm, and you still got time on your hands, I said, you know, let me get these notes together and, you know, really work on it. Right, and right. That's when it accelerated. So why, why did you sell one of the clubs? Was it just too hard or something? Well, basically, I had like one kid running each club, and uh, I had three at the time, and then one of them was no longer uh, – wanted to move on. They, she didn't want to be involved working weekends all the time, and, you know, there were other opportunities for her. She wanted to branch out. So New York Comedy Club, uh, you know, I made a decision that, you know, if I have to look at the two locations, Broadway was a much larger club and was on uh, in the Times Square area. And Greenwich, you can't beat the location on McDougal Street. So that was a big part of the reasoning was the locations I liked a lot better of the other two clubs. And what was a major problem at New York Comedy Club, I, the poor owners there, I think, are still dealing with it. We had this lunatic neighbor across the street. Oh, she no. was on the, uh, this lady was on the fifth floor and in the winter claimed that she could hear two comics talking on the first floor and that they got to move inside. They're causing a disturbance in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Now she would call 311 so often uh, to that club that we had SWAT teams showing up, you know, after a while when the computer of the city gets enough of these calls, they, they call, they send out the cabaret task force, which has a member of the NYPD legal team. And that sounds NYPD like a pretty legal. tough force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're bringing out the cabaret force. Oh, they show up in like listen. hot top hats. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They do like a kick line yeah. as they walk yeah. up to the place. <laughs> they, uh, 
they jumped out of something uh, that looked like a Brinks armored vehicle. And, you know, it was like one guy from the legal department, a fire department, the health department, the building. The, and they just walked in. And my daughter, Melinda, was managing. It was a six o'clock on a Saturday they came in. There was an improv troupe on stage with three audience members. So these guys come rushing in like they, I don't know what they were expecting to find, like an after hours club or something. And it was just like nothing going on. And they walked out like shaking their heads. And, and But this is the kind of harassment we got. We would get undercover uh, uh, people drink, trying to buy yeah. alcohol. So it got to the point that the harassment was so much that here's the problem. You know, eventually when you when you're under the microscope like that, you know, something could happen, you know, on an off night or something that could cause trouble. And in New York State, you know, if one license gets screwed up, mm -hmm. they, could, they could eventually make the case to take all your licenses away. And I, and I started to get to a point and I said, with what the revenue generated at New York Comedy Club was now, you know, and also New York Comedy Club suffered a little bit because, you know, a, a, a lot of the business got sucked over to Broadway or Greenwich. Mm -hmm. So that sort of became a, a, an unloved stepchild. And, mm. you know, these, the two owners uh, took, kind of re-energized the brand. And, and when did you, if I, first of all, if anyone else has a question, like, I don't want to be, you know, feel free to like interrupt me. Um, well, I think it's what you're trying to say is how difficult it's, it's people think it's easy to own a comedy club or, or run one. It's not, it's not easy. I, I no. don't, I would never think that that would be easy. Like, yeah, cause you're a comic, but I think a lot of people that are like just normal business owners would probably, you know, not really understand the ins and outs of, I mean, no, it's, it's a very difficult business mm -hmm. and you know, um, what is the biggest with, obstacle? What's the biggest obstacle about it? Well, you're dealing with so many different constituencies. You're dealing, first of all, making comics happy, making the <laughs> okay, now right there. That's impossible. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You've got Yelp. You've got you know making customers happy with Yelp reviews. Right. Uh, everybody, you know, with Yelp, everybody now all of a sudden is. Uh, a, crit a critic, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're, it's, Yelp is a bunch of people that never had any power in their lives and now <laughs> feel they have the power to destroy your business. You know, yeah. uh, I think that's the internet now. Yeah. Um, yeah internet. And, and then you have um, community boards, neighbors, uh, vendors. I mean, it's just like a, a shit fest of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the the um, really wears you down. Were there ever any moments where you were like, oh, this is, this is, I can't keep doing this. Like, we're not going to last. Like, were there close moments like that? You know, I guess what motivated me to keep going, obviously, was that the clubs were successful. And I was, you know, I got married and I had obligations and I had kids and a you know, mortgage and, a, you know, bills to pay. So, uh, you know, many times I would think, what else would I do? wasn't really qualified for much more to <laughs> my life. Like I'm, I'm trying to think now, like if I decided not to open my comedy, cause what would I do? And luckily I'm close enough to say, Hey, screw it. I'm just going to retire, you know, mm. but you know, there's still a fighter in me and I don't want to do that. Like a lot of people say to me, Oh, why open up in New York again, go to another state, and, mm. you know, where it's a little more business friendly. And I'm saying to myself, like, uh, no, no, listen. If if I don't reopen in New York, I'm not I'm not doing this again somewhere else. I'm just like I'm done. You know, I I'm, I'm too close to want to relax with life. 
than to start all over in another state. Yeah. And, and we're spoiled in New York. You know, New York, where my, and again, it's the location of the clubs being in, right near Times Square and right on McDougal. They yeah. operate seven nights a week. You know, yeah. we're spoiled in New York. You go outside of New York to certain towns, you know, uh, like even in Florida here, you're lucky if you get Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, right. uh, And Thursday you know, is usually terrible on those. Yeah, shows. right, right. Thursday is, can we get some idiot with 500 friends who wants to be a comic and let them fill the room? <laughs> and, 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 you know, Wednesday, maybe <laughs> like, like Wednesday in the old days, they used to do like uh, the birthday giveaways and the and the charity donation tickets and fill the room like that. You know, mm -hmm. like a lot of these clubs used to do. So they'd have a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then maybe open mic on Sunday. But you don't have that that much out of town. You know, you're lucky to get three shows and, a week. You know? And then when did it start that like all, it seemed like the, I don't know when it was, but like all of a sudden there were like 50 clubs in the city. Here's the problem, you know, uh, uh, in 50 clubs and like six, four of them were mine, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That makes it easier. All right. When I opened up Broadway Comedy Club, and at the time I opened it as the improv, all of a sudden Jamie Masada came and opened up the Laugh Factory mm. on 2nd and 8th. So you had the Laugh Factory. And then, then for a while you had something called the Gramercy Comedy Club, which was basically a strip club and a comedy club. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And then LOL, then you had Ha comedy club and uh, LOL comedy club opened up. So these, you know, for some reason, everybody started thinking that the comedy club is an unbelievable business. And you had the, the stand guys open up and, you know, uh, then you had investors get together and buy stand up New York and, you know, yeah. yeah, it's like I can't wait for the day. Like I hope, like whenever I decide to retire, and if I sell my club, I get some investors. Everybody's an investor, you know. <laughs> so, what do you think? Do you think clubs will like a lot of clubs will just kind of decide to shut down? I mean, I know like UCB is basically the shut yeah. Down. U UCB is done. I think they were trending out. They were right going out. This yeah, yeah. yeah but, I think but, they're. The gig was up with them. People mm -hmm. started realizing that there was a bit of an exploitive nature to what they were doing. Absolutely. And, yeah. and then, you know, people got really – it turned very fast for them because they were darlings for a yeah, long, long they time. Were. True. And then, you know, boom. It's just like it's like a bad divorce or something. I know? think they treated a lot of people really badly. Like – um they, you know, it was mainly an improv play. They, didn't, they did stand up. Like I did like some of the stand-up shows they had, but I remember – when I would go there, they would, no one was very friendly to me. They, they like, like improv, it's weird. Improv, like people look down on standups. It's like a weird, like passive yeah. aggressive feud. It, yeah. It's yeah, such yeah, a ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. feud, like improv is, and standup. It's like this, everything, this is all ridiculous what we're doing. Plus, um, plus I think they had a bad business model. Like they didn't do like two drink minimum, which I feel well, like you need that in the city because it's not a charity. Yeah. We absolutely need that. I mean, you know, look, there's only one club in the city that does not do a, a, a two-drink minimum. They do a one-drink minimum. And what's interesting, I think, is for their new talent, they do do a two-drink minimum, you know, so. What uh, club is that? Is it the stand? And yeah. Oh. I think on Jeff Lawrence's show, he used to do a two-drink minimum. But anyway, they, they, they promoted yeah. the 
there were a one drink minimum. And <laughs> this doesn't really work. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting thing. Like when you're opening a club, do you have? Is it? Is that the standard, or do you have like a conversation like, well, what if we did three drink minimum? Or is that the, <laughs> like, where does it where does it change where people are like, I'm not getting three drinks? I mean, is that a thing? So, how did they how did they land on that? Well, usually at two drinks, uh, people start getting a little cheap. You know, yeah. not, we're not talking about the Don Perignon drinkers that are going to, <laughs> yeah. to nightclubs. You know. Uh, Comedy club owners tend to be a little bit on the, you know, budgets. You know, comedy clubs are, is where they go when they're coming to New York for a week and they've gone to Hamilton and Les Miserables and they've been to every expensive, saw Billy Joel in concert, and now they're tapped out for the next two nights. <laughs> right. <laughs> and some idiot in Times Square is selling a ticket for $5 and they'll, they'll grab it and, you know, that's their last one or two nights just trying to get through the finish line on a yeah. really expensive New York trip. And it's and cheap compared to Broadway. It really is. I mean, it's very... Oh, my God, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, you can you can get a night of comedy and, and a couple of drinks and an appetizer, and, you know, uh, your bill could be 50, 60 bucks, and, and yet they'll be on Yelp the next yeah. day. Oh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> You might even be able to. You might even be able to sleep with the comedian. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to sleep with Billy that. Joel. <laughs> eight dollars for a beer, and they're like, "Okay, yes, eight dollars for a beer is expensive, you know, compared to Sheboygan, you know, or whatever sure. you. You know, you're in New York City, you're in Manhattan, so you know, what are you bitching about? You're paying three hundred dollars for a hotel room for a night, you know. At least, yeah. And when did you meet Sheba? Sheba, I met, uh, I guess, what was it, about uh, 15 years ago? Um, yeah, I was, so I, was, yeah, I was 19. 19, and she started uh, waitressing for me, and uh, she claims I fired her. I really don't remember this, but... Uh, All right, do you remember that a little bit? Uh, I think you were bad at your job, I know that. Yeah, but do you remember that's when I started running shows at Joe Franklin's, because I got banned uh, for like three months? Well, you said you weren't a good waitress. I am. Yeah. yeah, she was. She was terrible. <laughs> that's usually how. That's usually how firing works. Watching <laughs> two drinks out and that amount of time is very hard for people. It's really hard. Well, she she got two drinks out, but she didn't charge for a lot of them, so that might have been. The problem too. I also got them out all over my body because they spilled a lot of them too. I actually, yes. I, I think, Al, I met you, like, officially when m me and you were judges on Sheba's show. Yes, yes, yes. She would have the gong show, and then she'd have uh, me and uh, you, and I remember a third judge uh, on the show <laughs> who thought he was Simon Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they always, she always said, yeah, I felt like I was too I nice. I never wanted to say mean things, like... Uh, me, me neither. You know, listen, I didn't mind being realistic to people, but like, I didn't want to sit there and, you know, ha I guess, Tom, you and I have been comedians and you're a comedian still, you know, and we have a little bit of a uh, uh, sensitive and empathy for someone who's getting on that stage. And you know what it's like, so you don't want to really destroy them from everything. He's Simon. That's why he was there. He was the Simon. Yeah, yeah, the other guy, not me. I mean, I would be, I would be like, um, I was definitely like the Paula Abdul of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, uh, 
It's like Sheba and I always had this debate. She insists that the audience really liked him. They did. Thought, they told me I, as much. Uh, I think they got douche chills from him, really. <laughs> no, I. Comedians did the contest two and three and four times, like over and over again, the same. Uh, I, I, you know, you, you know your thing better. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just think it was rude. It's just harder for a comedian to trash another comedian. I think. Yeah. Well, well, when they're there. Yeah, that's what I meant, yeah. Like, right. in front of you. Um, I said some I, shit afterward. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> I'd be driving home and my way, how did it go? Oh, boy, you got to hear these people. You know, they were horrible. Did you tell them? <laughs> Can't tell them. <laughs> well, it's also like, you know, there's a lot of factors. It's like they're new and it's very nerve-wracking to know you're being judged and that they're going to, like say things afterwards i mean that's a rough because it's one thing to bomb but then when you have to stay on stage and bomb and then someone's like oh but let me tell you how bad that was mm-hmm. yeah 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 and i think it was listen i i critique a lot of comics you know i'm asked to watch a lot of shows and there's a way of telling them they suck without really saying you suck and this guy literally would say you suck you shouldn't be doing this or something you know but you know, you. For me, I'm not comfortable with that style of telling someone to just suck. There's got to be a way to kind of land the plane gently, not crash burn it. You know. This one kid had a joke about how he works at a pet shop, and he goes, first of all, I wouldn't quit my job at a pet shop." Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that guy. I I remember he he got really he would even be mean when like people did well. <laughs> Like, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I mean, everyone liked you, but I don't like it. And I was just like, well, I mean. That's ridiculous. Did. What a ridiculous thing to say to someone. <laughs> I know. He would just, he did it purposely. It was yeah. like his shtick. Yeah, um, he was trying to be like Simon. Yeah, but the thing about Simon is, like, Simon was mean, but, like, if someone was good, Simon would be like, I think you're good. That's why it was a big deal when Simon said something nice to you. You know what I mean? He True, true. Um, Occasionally, he felt, you know, he did say some nice things. So, yeah. so you mentioned earlier, like uh, you got into a verbal altercation with Sarah Silverman. That's in the book. Can you t- can you tell us about that? Well, it's pretty well documented. It uh, I don't go too much into it, but basically, she accused me of something that was proven to be false and not true, and she wound up having to issue a national uh, apology on national TV. Really. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. When was yeah, that? Oh, yeah, go, uh, just Google it. This happened in, uh, I think it happened the same year I sold the New York Comedy Club because the new owners called me in a panic, like, oh, she just called you out for the wage gap. What do we do? And they, oh, they immediately issued a, uh, a press release throwing me basically under the bus. Wow. But, uh, and then I wound up uh, actually proving that she lied. And um, what happened was the night before, uh, the the night before um, she apologized, Good Morning America interviewed me, and they probably called. My guess is they got my side of the story, Good Morning America, and they were going to run with the story the next morning. And I think they called her side for comment. And then when she heard, or her side heard that it was going to go national the next day that she was full of crap because, you know, witnesses had come out 
totally denying what, what she has said. That's when she just, uh, and what was interesting was she, uh, in her apology, she said, oh, I've known Al, he's a very sweet man, and I always make sure to say hello to him when I sign out the pay book. Now, in 2014, we didn't have a pay book where the comics would sign, so it was total bullshit, um, what she said. And uh, it's all right, you know. I said, I'm not gonna so that was that. pretty recently. So did she like say it on air, or just like like in a statement or something? Actual incident occurred in 2001. It actually oh, wow. just a little after my wife and I started dating, and she was with me at the club, and we were hanging out at the bar. And then Sarah came in to do a guest spot. It was a guest spot, and she later found out that she didn't get paid. You know, Todd Barry got paid because he was booked for the show. And she uh, shouldn't have gotten anything because it was a guest spot. She just happened to come in, saw it was an, a really explosive audience that night. And, you know, you can be you can be making you can be making Kevin Hart money. You walk into a room and see a room on fire like that. You want to go on. You just got to go on. It's, it's it's a sickness we all have. Yeah. And um you know, so she asked to go up. I felt bad. You know, she was just getting a little heat at the time on SNL. And I said, let me throw her a few bucks for car fare. And then she took the few bucks that I gave her as paying her less than what Todd Barry, who was booked, got. And she held that grudge for about 13 or 14 years. And then she was interviewed by a, a publication called Salon Magazine. And that's when she decided to make a video for them. Uh, a PSA, public service announcement video, uh, and she used me as her as her a uh, goat, and she just like trashed me on the video, and that's when I went out and made my own video, and it went viral, and totally disputed her, and public opinion was like rampantly against her at the time. Well, was this before go, social media? I don't remember. Was it oh, before? Oh, so, no, uh, that's where I, I wound up posting. Uh, my video on not only my Facebook page, but I wound up posting it on my uh, uh, Facebook pages for the clubs, all my, you know, the two, the, the two clubs at the time. And then I boosted the, uh, uh, boosted it and, and it, it exploded. I mean, I think uh, my video wound up getting over 250,000 views. And on Reddit, it was like, to one in favor of me. You know what happened? Oh. Tom, conservative media picked up on it. The conservative media, uh, all those shows, uh, Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, I was interviewed by a lot of the conservative media outlets and publications because they hated Sarah Silver. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I didn't her, like her. Her political views, right. Sure. So I I was suddenly being used by the right, uh, you know, to clobber her on the head. And I really didn't care at the time because, you know, any support, you know, let's face it, she had like heavy oh duty guns. God. Yeah, heavy duty guns going after me. Sure. So, you know, any support I can get, I was happy with. So, you know. Uh, did, Jim, did Jimmy Fallon, did he ever play New York Comedy Club? I think he, didn't he? Yes, Jimmy Fallon did play New York Comedy Club. You you heard the story today, or Tom? You want to? Well, no. I was going to say he. Yeah, so he. Um, 
I, I might have mentioned at the beginning he got in trouble because uh, this Saturday Night Live skit from like 2000 of him playing Chris Rock in blackface resurfaced from 2000. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I just went on Twitter and, you know, which is always a mistake, but yeah. he was like the top trend. I mean, like, I don't even, it's so funny. I just, I go on Twitter and I like always am surprised that I get mad and it's just like every time. It's just throwing things for you to get mad. About. No matter, so, matter what your your political affiliation is, or your your general temperament, or your moral compass, you get on Twitter, and the first five things you see are going to make you upset. True. No matter who you are, it's it it's the worst thing to look at. And now they know what you don't you hate, so they put those specifically things that <laughs> you hate. And it's not, like, what true. is this? It's not People even a human are throwing babies out the window. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is bullshit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, um, and then there's like a whole group of people that don't care about the babies being thrown out, and then there's the yeah. whole opposite. No, it side. is funny. There's always someone on the other side <laughs> yeah, of anything. Like, no, we should have. We <laughs> yeah. should throw babies out the right, window. Right, you exactly. Dick. It's a whole um, movement. Yeah. And then you get caught up in that. And um, I'm sorry. Go. You guys. So, what, uh, what do you think of it? Well, you know, listen. It is. Anything you do nowadays is going to be offensive mm-hmm. to just about anybody. It's like I would not really want to be in the beginning of a stand-up comedy career nowadays because it's just everybody is just going to, you know, look at Biden. He made a remark just recently. It's like no matter what you do, you're going to piss somebody off, yep. you know, whether it's a, a gay person or you know, um, I think about the only thing it's safe to shit on is white people. You know, yeah, yeah white the four guys. of us in here, the white men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm uh, glad yeah. at least white women are getting it now. Too. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. How about the? You know, well, you know, she really came off a little douchey. That woman in Central. Yeah. How about that woman? I'm in the ramble. I'm in the ramble, and there's an African American man here <laughs> threatening, threatening me. me. Yeah. I was saying before. Guy, he was the dorkiest, polite guy of all time. <laughs> he was yeah. just... He where, was is the, where is, where is he, the he, ramble he, again? You, what part of the park is that? I don't even know. The park, you know. Where what, what, the Americans are most likely to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, and, and in the video, he's like, yeah, call the police. Like, if... if if, if like someone, if you're saying I'm being threatened and the person who's supposed to be threatening you is telling you to call the police, like that's not, you're probably not being threatened. I've never been like being robbed and then the guy's like, hey, call the police. Yeah. <laughs> I get the feeling to the guy on the video that he was a thug or anything. You know, he was just like yeah. in a video and, and she was acting like a real asshole and uh, was even being a little dramatic on her 911 call. Oh yeah, African American guy. <laughs> He's threatening me. I love how I, she was. She was still trying to be like act like she wasn't racist. Like, no, it's an African American well, man. That's, not- it's so funny that she kept saying African American while no, doing the most objectively racist thing you can do. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's like, yeah. gonna come get you. you know? She literally couldn't have picked the. It was literally like the worst guy you could have done it to. It was like a, a black guy who <laughs> yeah. bird watches. I know, I know. Went to Harvard. Yeah, he graduated like, from Harvard. He went like, to Harvard. Worked for, yeah. worked for, like everything great worked for Marvel. Just like everything everyone loves. You know, like you know, it's, cured cured uh, it, polio. 
it's very weird because, like, you were asking the, the thing about Jimmy Fallon, and mm. you know, sometimes I think that you have to look at things in the era in which they are said. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it's it, listen. It's never, you know, blackface. Probably not really anything that people should have ever done. But back in the nineteen, and I'm sure Fallon did it. You know, like in the early two thousands, not in the forties or fifties. But that was something that was done a lot by people in the 40s and 50s, you know? I mean, so is it right? No. But, you know, different generations have a different way. I'll give you a perfect example. Like, there was a stand-up comedian. His name was Morty Storm. You know, he was an old Catskills comedian. I think Shiva probably's heard of him. But um, Morty Storm used to go on stage and, you know, say the word Japs all the time. J-A-P-S, and he was like, he was an 80-year-old comic, and, and this was in the <laughs> 1990s, so basically he was referring to Japanese people who we were at war with as a country. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, Don Rickles used to use the word Japs all the time, and he, you know, so Morty, one night, was doing stand-up in the audience, and there was a bunch of Jewish girls in the audience. And now he's carrying on with the word Japs. And the girl goes, that's a racist comment to make. And she goes, well, you don't look Japanese. So it was like a whole fight. Like they're, they're thinking Japs are Jewish American princesses. And he's referring to Japs you know, as, um, as Japanese people. And like, you know, it's like two different eras. So, you know, people... Right. That's no one even knows who, who who's insulting who anymore. <laughs> no, no. I wake up in the morning and I just look. Did I insult anybody? You know, overnight. Yeah, the, it is. That's the thing. It's everything's taken out of context. And I mean, I I will say, two thousand I think was a little late to keep doing black to still be doing blackface. <laughs> but he was doing an impression of Chris Rock, and he in I think in the defense he does he does a very good he does Chris nail Rock. It. he fucking nails it so I think <laughs> they were like this is the only guy we have to do Chris but I mean it is funny how no one in the moment there's never I think places need to hire like a specific person to tell everyone not to do blackface yeah like, I think they, they need an employee at like entertainment play because like blackface management, like yeah, <laughs> just one guy who's like, no, just a no, no, reminder, you don't do that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know how that. SNL because Fred Armisen played Obama for years. I don't know even how they got away with that. Did he use like skin stuff? To do, he's got he's kind of the same skin tone as Obama. they got away with it because he's half white. I think. That's yeah, yeah, great. and Fred Armisen's not full white. Uh, so that's the thing. It's like Jimmy Fallon's such a good like to everyone who knows Jimmy Fallon. He's just like. They want to get him on something because he just seems like he doesn't do anything wrong. He's just a nice guy, and he's straight. He's white. He's rich and successful. People are going to find something. Yeah, he's white. And, and when you a have thing. a when you have a blackface example out there that aired on network television, I can't. I'm surprised it hasn't. He hasn't been canceled for this before. Not that I support it, but. Yeah. Did they cancel did they cancel him or Well, or? I mean it's the number one thing trending on Twitter. They're I, trying I, they're trying to hurt him. His you show know. isn't canceled yet or anything. He just publicly apologized, which was certainly NBC and him talking about that. Like they Can you right. can you read the apology, Alex? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it up right here. Uh it's very short. He yeah, just yeah. says uh in two thousand, while on SNL, I made a terrible decision to do an impersonation of Chris Rock while in blackface. There is no excuse for this. 
I am very sorry for making this unquestionably offensive decision and thank all of you for holding me accountable. <laughs> I like that line. Well, that uh, last line. In all ahead. fairness, it really is, is the one to be angry at Jimmy Fallon or is the one to be angry at, you know, whoever was the person that green lighted the bit. And at the end, the NBC censors. So NBC is asking him to apologize for something that the NBC censor let go, let, let, let go by the board. I don't think Jimmy Fallon back then was making a decision. I'm going to do this bit. No. And no matter what anybody says, I'm doing this bit. You know, yeah, I don't. Get yeah. Jimmy Fallon it doesn't have that personality. I don't even think with the power right. he has today, he wouldn't be like, he was newer on the show at the time. That was in his contract. He's like, you guys, before I start one I request, have I have to do blackface. <laughs> I must do blackface, yeah. Right, so there had to be layers of decision makers here that relaxed, right? And, and said, okay, do the bit. It's funny. At the time, maybe it was funny to a lot of people. I don't I'm know. I'm sure it crushed. I'm sure it did. I well. bet you. I bet you anything. It was someone there who like hated him, like who didn't like. Oh yeah, no, this is good, man. Do it. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> <laughs> no, a little blacker. I think. I think you can go blacker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. all right. Uh, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So that you know, it's interesting how he's being forced to walk the plank. When there were, you know, other people, I mean, in the end, he said it and did the bit, but yeah, he didn't do it in a vacuum. There are yeah. people that say, that's funny, go run with it, you know? Absolutely. I, if they could find the episode, I'm sure it's out there, and see what was the audience reaction to it. Oh, it's there. You can watch the clip. What was the audience reaction to the bit? They what loved it. it. Thank you, They always love it. They it's a good impression. I mean, it doesn't matter what comedian they cancel. Whenever I look at a canceled comedian and I look at his stand-up or whatever like they're canceling him for, it's always hilarious, number one, and it always crushes in the room. And then whatever, like they, 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 they promote it for him, basically. And then the guy gets like a, a big fan base on whoever disagrees with cancel culture. But it's just, I don't know. It must be the worst idea. feeling to wake up in the morning and like oh. you look at the news and you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I was hanging out with Shane Gillis like the one that it happened. I mean, like not like that he's like the best, my best friend or anything, but he was at a club. We were all like, I just remember when that crazy controversy was happening and I was just sitting at a table with him and like, it was just nuts. Like it was surreal. It was surreal. He was the most famous person in America for like a, a couple of days. And it, he worked that hard to get to a certain level, such and bullshit. then bam, it's just taken away from him like that. You know? Yeah, that's bullshit. what's annoying. People are like, especially comedy. It's like it's so it's so hard to get anywhere in comedy, and then you know he got like kind of one of the biggest breaks you can get, and then they're just like, you said something a few years ago. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. It's, just, it's, yeah. it's hard. Um, all right, we uh, we got to wrap it. We we got to wrap this up. Um, Al, thanks a lot for uh, coming on, Al Martin. Yeah, what's the, the book again? Book name? Did It on a Dare, How I Built a Comedy Empire in 30 Short Years on Amazon, uh, Kindle, paperback. It'll be in bookstores whenever they open. But <laughs> go to Amazon. Go to Amazon. Amazon Books, Al Martin, and uh, it'll pop up. Great. Okay, and then hopefully <laughs> you And I thank you. And hopefully your clubs will be open soon. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, otherwise, uh, I don't know what the hell I'll be doing here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and and Sheba, thank you so much for. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah. Um, this really this fun, was fun to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's it? What's the name of your book? <laughs> 
That's a good name. <laughs> my, my album is called Not Just a Whore. Boom. Oh, there you go. That's a great okay. title. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> That's what we say about you when you're not around. <laughs> got a great title. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she's not I'm like, out. you guys, she's not just a whore. Come on. <laughs> and, then, and then Eric's like, she's no, she's just a whore. <laughs> no, so, she yeah. is. And I'm like, yeah. come on. I'm the, I'm, I'm the only one on the other end. Um, okay. <laughs> she, Shiva Mason, Al Martin. Thanks a lot. Um, and uh, yeah. check out the book. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time on uh, Last Exit to Brooklyn, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.